Hello and welcome to the Nourish Gut Podcast. This space is for you if you suffer from digestive issues such as IBS, SIBO or even bowel disease. This is also the place for you if you're thinking about having a baby or if you have young children and would like to learn more about the infant microbiome. I am your host, Carly Raven. I'm a naturopath, clinical nutritionist, gut health expert and mother. My mission is to resolve complex gut health issues and reduce the prevalence of gut disorders by educating parents just about how vital gut health is in infants. So if you're ready to get your shit together, please grab a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy and let's improve our guts together. Hello and welcome to episode five of the Nourish Gut podcast. Today is a follow-on episode from last week's and we're discussing everything to do with the first steps to gut health for your infant and child. In last week's episode, we discussed pregnancy and preconception care and why these essential stages are like the first steps for your future child's gut health and well-being. So if you haven't yet listened to those episodes, press pause, jump back into there catch up on that episode and all of the information that I shared there and then come back and listen to this one because today we're covering everything to do with infancy and toddlerhood. I also wanted to share that it's time to sign up to our masterclass. So we on the 1st of October at 11am we're holding a masterclass and we're diving deep 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 into this topic. We're going to be covering everything in even more depth when it comes to preconception care and pregnancy care um, and also infancy and toddlerhood and everything that you can be doing to start nourishing your child's gut health and improve their health and well-being and setting them up for like a life full of good health. So jump into the show notes and sign up to our masterclass. If you can't attend live at 11 a.m., you also will be sent a recording. So still sign up so that you can get all of that amazing information. So in today's episode, we're talking about infancy and toddlerhood in particular. And so you might have heard the term, what the first 1000 days of life, it's kind of being used by other health professionals. And I've done a lot of courses and there's a lot of studies that are referring to this term. And so I wanted to talk a little bit more about what that actually means. So to put it simply for you all, it is the time, the most crucial time during your child's life when it comes to setting up their long-term health. Once your baby is born earthside, this time stretches until they reach about two years of age. And it does include preconception care and pregnancy care as well. Everything that they expose to consumes or experiences can have a positive or negative impact on their health. It's important to remember now that This isn't about being a perfect parent. And this is a really important thing that I wanted to discuss today. We cannot control everything that happens to our little ones. And sometimes there are factors and things that are going to happen that could have a negative impact long-term or even short-term, you know, something such as an infection or, you know, food refusal and they're not getting enough fiber and then their gut health gets a bit wonky. Like there are so many factors. And I know firsthand, like I'm a mum, and we want to do the absolute best by our children. 
and it can become really overwhelming. There is lots to navigate and every child is different. Okay, so I I want you to surrender to trying to be the perfect parent because there is not one. You are the perfect parent for your child and you are doing the absolute best that you can. So I want you to feel empowered, educated and inspired from today's episode. And I hope that you don't feel like you have let your child down or that you're not doing the best that you can. We can't take back what's already happened, but we can step forward with empowerment and education and make the best choices from today onwards. And that's what I want you to focus on. So don't dive into this with intention of feeling guilty. Instead, I want the goal to feel empowered and to take steps to improve your child's health and well-being during these really crucial early days. Let's dive in. So why are these early days the most important for your child's gut health? So during the first two years of your child's life, there is rapid growth and development. And any parent is going to agree with that. Like you can see it unfolding right in front of you. It's almost like you blink, right? And they've grown up or they're at the next stage or they're ready for something else. And it blows your mind. So this includes their brain, their immune system, their gut health, and their metabolism. But one of the biggest growth spurts and developmental spurts is not your babies. It's the microbes that settle and become the microbiome. So by age three, your child's microbiome is fairly set. But before that, it's constantly adapting and changing based on what it's exposed to. And this is what I freaking love. Like I'm obsessed with this. (laughs) I just think it is like the most amazing opportunity, window of opportunity that we can just zone in on and and give them a really great start to life. So this early microbiome can have a huge influence on their well-being for many, many, many years. And I'm going to even go there and say decades to come. There are links between young microbiome and conditions such as asthma, eczema, allergies, Things like obesity, ADHD, autism, inflammation, and even things that are a bit more serious like autoimmune disease and cancer. Like there are well-known direct links between poor, poor gut health in children and the microbiome and those things that we I just listed. So the microbe, microbes that your baby hosts can also influence their mental and emotional health. And the gut has been linked to increased rates of things like depression, anxiety, and even toddler tantrums. So I really think that given it has the potential to help and prevent with all of those things, you're probably on board with me now in thinking that this is such a a vital time. There are some challenges as well that, that start to arise during these early years. You know, we can all agree that there's challenging, like, you know, that baby toddler, like, behaviors um, and all of the different hurdles that we have to go through that impact our decisions, impact our baby. But when it comes to gut health, there are also several factors that can sabotage the healthy development of the microbiome. So I wanted to discuss some of these today. And again, when I move into this section, I, I don't want there to be any guilt I want you to surrender and just take this as information. 
So the first thing that I'm going to be talking about is actually a C-section birth. There are many times that this is necessary for mum's health, for bub's health, or even both. But because the baby doesn't travel through the vagina during birth, they miss out on the first earthside exposure to mum's microbiome. There have been studies that have found C-section babies lack strains that are found in healthy children and adults, but most harmful microbes, um, uh, sorry, the what am I trying to say? They, they, there's also a host of harmful microbes that can cause disease as well. So it, it is a bit of a concern to me. And I don't think it's about, obviously many of you listening may have had a C-section, I think what needs to happen is looking at, well, why are there high rates of C-section? And, and we need to shine the light on the maternity healthcare set, like, you know, uh, arena. And we need to be doing everything possible that we can to enter, you know, the end stages of our pregnancy and going into birth with education and support and people on our team that are advocating as strongly as possible for vaginal births. Because, and I, and as I said, I know that C-sections are needed and they are life-saving, but there are also a lot of times where women end up having a C-section and it may not have been needed. So it's a really big topic, but it is, you know, for somebody who myself, I actually um, changed my birth place of birth in the later stages of my pregnancy partly due to COVID but I ended up with a home birth and they've also found that uh, even just birthing in a home environment can also have a positive um, impact from a microbiome perspective so I find that really interesting as well so you know even simple little techniques such as like taking things from your home environment into hospital if that's what you're going to do like a blanket or sheets and towels and all of those type of things that you can wrap baby around and use for those days that you might be in hospital so again we really need to be looking at c-sections and why there is a high rate and it's such a big topic and it's controversial and i don't have all of the answers but i definitely think it's something that i think if we all went into birth more educated and supported and had people on our birthing teams that were advocating for vaginal births more that there would be that um the higher rates of vaginal birth so another early consideration is actually formula feeding so many parents will either either have issues with breastfeeding or prefer the convenience of formula feeding now it's really interesting. This is I want to dive deeper into this. Unfortunately, the one thing that formula cannot do is deliver beneficial microbes into your baby and establish a healthy gut. It's been found that formula feeding rather than breastfeeding can have lasting effects on the gut microbiome for many years to come. And so if you do need to use formula over breastfeeding for any reason, it is definitely best to seek some advice from your healthcare practitioner. And there are specific probiotics. The Chiara one would be an amazing one to take and add to a bottle if you are. So it's a breast milk-like strain, the only one on the market. Absolutely love it. Um, And every bottle-fed baby that I work with will take that strain. So you can just simply add it into like their nighttime formula um, and that will give some really beneficial strains of bacteria. 
But let's talk about this a little bit more as well. It is a controversial topic. Um, I have a really personal experience with breastfeeding. I found it really challenging. I did a four-hour course while I was pregnant about learning about breastfeeding techniques, did all of the things to uh, educate myself about breastfeeding because I didn't really know. As a naturopath, I hadn't really covered that in our degree at university. And so it was. I had identified that it was already an area where I lacked education. And even though I did that, it just didn't come naturally. Like for something that I thought would be so easy, it was so damn hard. And there are different factors that happened for us. Um, it took a week for William to feed off one side. Um, and then another, it was actually a month um, by the time he was you know, effectively feeding off both sides um, and both breasts. And that was really emotional. But when I sit back now and reflect on that, I could have so easily given up. In fact, I was told when I was pregnant to put a bottle of formula in my cupboard just in case I needed it. And I am so glad I didn't because I don't know whether I would or I wouldn't have grabbed for the tin of formula in the middle of the night when I was really tired and I was really emotional. Like I can't, like I feel like maybe I would have gone for it and opted for that because it was so damn hard and emotional but because I didn't have it there I just there was no other way like I was just like I was almost like forced into going I'm gonna make this work you know and I could have got up the next morning and gone and got it of course but my desire to breastfeed was so strong like I really, really I don't think I've ever wanted something so much in my life to be honest with you and I think that that was because I was so educated about the, the amazing things that breast, breast milk and breastfeeding can do for your baby. It's like one of the key areas that set up the gut health for your baby. And it's something that you can do for like the first two years of their life and continue to provide them with microbes and bacteria and immunity and like... I just knew that the desire was so strong because I just, it was something that I didn't want him to miss out on. And I think it was that, that, that took me through that first month of really challenging times. And I believe that if more women were educated about what actually in breast milk and what, what breast milk is actually doing, in your child's gut, like it is literally putting microbes in there. It's communicating with immune cells in your in their gut. It's reducing inflammation. It's providing prebiotics. It's building up immunity. So the foods, like I'm eating peanut butter, I'm eating eggs, I'm exposing them because they, they pass through the breast milk and stimulate. So there is so many reasons why breast milk is so, so important. And I know that for some reasons, it just can't happen for some women. And fortunately, we have the Kiara strain of breast milk for those women. But I think that we need to be advocating for breastfeeding. And, and we need to be more educated around why breast milk is like the best thing for your child's gut. So I hope that by sharing my experience and my story, that 
this may help someone else who's either going through a really challenging time with a baby in their hands or that is pregnant and has now gone, wow, like I really need to learn more about this and I need to be more prepared. And don't get me wrong, I've had many friends and colleagues who have had their baby, put their baby onto the boob and the baby has like instantly latched and started breast milk, uh, breastfeeding. And it was really, really easy for them. So you're never going to know until you get there and you start trying. But uh, learn about it. And I hope that through today's episode that there has been some seeds planted that encourage you to keep breastfeeding. The World Health Organization actually suggests that we breastfeed um, for minimum six months and anywhere up to two years. And we also need to reduce and let go of that stigma of breastfeeding because so many women, and I've even had that comment come, come to me where they've said, oh, you're still breastfeeding, William. So he's now 17 months. And they didn't mean to cause any harm with that comment, but it's just an interesting society. It's an, a society expectation. You know, the, the, the rates of breastfeeding drop off um, dramatically after three months. And for many different reasons. So it's almost like in society, we, we don't actually see many children breastfed beyond, you know, even six months, probably predominantly, and especially beyond 12 months. So I think that, you know, if you come across a mother who is breastfeeding a 12 month old and beyond, celebrate that, congratulate that mother, because you don't know the story and how hard that that may have been for her. And we also know that she is doing the absolute best thing for her child's gut and that child's immunity. So let's be part of that change. Let's celebrate breastfeeding. Let's celebrate giving our kids the best freaking start to life by giving them breast milk or giving them formula with that amazing strain of Kiara in there. Because at the end of the day, we're all doing our best and we're all doing what feels right to us. So let's chat more about medications. I'm going to kind of move on from breastfeeding now. The massive, um, one of the other massive influences on our baby's microbiome is actually the use of medications. So there are two common medications that have the most negative impacts, I would say, on our children's microbiome, and that's actually antibiotics and reflux medications. So antibiotics actually kill off the beneficial bacteria as well as use um as well as, sorry, the, the harmful bacteria. And this can actually lead to antibiotic resistance where the bacteria um, kind of setting in, in the gut. Um, and this can be a really big concern down the track because when we take an antibiotic, we want it to work, right? But if you're taking multiple courses, the gut can actually kind of, uh, the immune system and your the, the children's body can actually become resistant to that. So we want it to work when, when we really, really need those antibiotics. And sure, there are times in life where we're going to need them, right? They can be life-saving, just like a C-section can be. It also increases the risk of dysbiosis or an imbalance basically in that good and bad bacteria that we've talked a lot about so far in this podcast. So if we can be avoiding antibiotics, the first step is actually preventing mastitis, preventing GSB, preventing 
birth trauma and birth interventions that expose us. Like if you sit back and think about, well, why would my baby need antibiotics? And it's not about, sometimes it's not about avoiding antibiotics. It's actually preventing the thing that causes you to need the antibiotic. Okay. Let's move on to reflux, reflux medication. So basically reflux medication is prescribed because the baby has like that colic or the reflux and they're screaming um, and a really, really unsettled baby. And basically the action of this medication is suppressing the, the production of stomach acid. This relieves the symptoms of reflux and, but it also has a negative impact on gut health. So stomach acid is not just for digesting food, right? But also it has a protective effect on our gut and the body from potential threats, like specifically harmful microbes. Like it's the first line of defense in our body, one of the stomach. So for example, if you were to get gastroenteritis or a really bad infection, the stomach acid is actually preventing that and can actually kill the harmful bacteria and infections. So it's actually really interesting in adults, and I'm going to kind of go on a little bit of a side note here just to shine the light on how important this stomach acid is so that we have a deeper understanding about why this medication may not be the right thing, especially in children. We have oral an oral microbiome, right? And so, uh, and that's different to what we would find in our small bowel and our large bowel. And they're there to serve a purpose and they have different roles. So the reason why we don't have these strains that we have in our mouth down in our lower digestive system is because they basically get to the stomach and they're killed off. That's in people where it's working effectively and they have enough of this stomach acid. So when I do stool testing in some people and they get their stool tested, some people actually have their oral microbiome identifying in their poo and it shouldn't be there. And that actually tells me that their upper digestive system and their stomach and their stomach um, acids needs work. That's what we need to be focusing. And often that's in people who are taking PPI such as um, Nexium and Somac. So now circling back into children, right? So if, if they're constantly suppressing their stomach acid from such a young age, it's, it's almost like a cocktail of disaster, in my opinion. Like, I just think it is possibly one of the worst things that we could be doing to our children and, and their ability to kill off microbes and things that shouldn't be in our gut. And there are even some microbes, and, and let's talk about H. pylori for a second, and they prefer a less acidic environment, and they can actually set up in your digestive tract, the child's digestive tract, right? And so... H. pylori can be harmful in some people and also not so harmful in others. But if you don't have the stomach acid, right, and it, it's there and it like is having a party, taking over, multiplying, that's not good. And that's going to become problematic. And then that can cause gastritis, that can cause ulceration in the stomach. And then later in life, over many, many years, you have an increased risk for stomach cancer. So you can see now the importance of something so simple as stomach acid, but if that's constantly being suppressed by the reflux medication, it's not a great idea. So the other main thing that I wanted to talk about today is that when your baby is a little bit older, the most common factor 
that actually affects um, their gut health is introducing solids and it being too early. So I recommend that most parents wait until that their, their child is at least six months of age. And I go into this in so much more depth in our Nourish Gut membership. I've got a whole Introducing Solids series in there. So if this is something that you want to know more about, um, jump on our wait list um, and join the membership when we open the doors next. Introducing solids has a massive impact on the microbiome uh, with adult strains dominating infant microbiome microbes. It's believed that displacing these infant microbes too early can affect your child's metabolism as it also develops. So going in too soon can can shift the microbiome. Okay, and what we're giving our children in these early early years is so important. Okay, so there are studies that show that introducing food early, so let's say around three months, can influence the production of short chain fatty acids. And it's these things that have been linked to things such as like um, uh, obesity, diabetes, and even high blood pressure later in life. So, you know, so many, I was told to do this. I was told that the first food our child should have is some rice cereal. And I know that most of you listening will, will be in agreement of that. But the thing is, rice cereal contains not the best form of iron, fortified, yucky iron. I'm going to go there. I'm going to call it for what it is, in my opinion. This form of iron, especially introduced, let's say, at three months of age, when the gut's not quite ready, can be really pro-inflammatory on the gut and can actually increase the pro-inflammatory strains of bacteria in your gut so i would like to question whether this is the best food we could be introducing to our babies and i want to pose a different alternative what if rather than rice cereal we just gave them whole foods what if you just started off by giving your baby a little bit of egg yolk or avocado or some simple mashed up steamed pumpkin or sweet potato that's going to start to stimulate their digestive system in a really simple, nourishing way and is more nutritional for their body. So this is, as I said, I'm, I go into much more depth in like a whole series of videos about solids but I wanted to share that with you today and I want to kind of get your brain ticking over. You know, there's so many things, as you have probably heard today, that can impact our child's gut, right? And, and a lot of it is about education and being empowered and being inspired. Because if we know better, we can do better. So if we know about the reasons why you might end up with a C-section and everything that you can do and have a plan in place for your birth, you'll end up with a vaginal birth, hopefully. And then if you're educated and empowered and really, really, truly passionate to breastfeed and you use that as a drive and a motivation so that no matter what happens in your journey, you can come out the other end, hopefully, and breastfeed. And then now you also know that if you do have to bottle feed, that you have, and there is an amazing strain of uh, bacteria, probiotic that you can use, 
to help give them those breast milk-like strains. And now we also know about some medications and some things and you're feeling empowered and you're ready to potentially make some different choices. And then lastly, you've learned about how introducing solids is a really, really vital time for their gut health. And this is just four areas that we're discussing today. Like there is so many more things. And I could have talked about all of those things more. I could have kept going on and on. So that's what we're going to be doing in the masterclass. And I would absolutely love you to sign up and come and join us on the 1st of October at 11 a.m. So if you haven't yet, please sign up. And I really hope that this episode has inspired you and has provided education and felt made you feel empowered to keep nourishing your child's gut so that they have a really happy and thriving life. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the masterclass and also at next week's episode. Take care. Did you like what you heard? Leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about my Nourish Gut program or the Nourish Gut Kids membership, head over to my website. Would you like to be a part of a community that gets it? Join our Facebook group, Nourish Gut Community, or come and follow me over on Instagram. All of these links can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time on the Nourish Gut Podcast.